even like correct grammar oh i'm sorry schoolhouse rock are you dragging my sentence structure right now <gasps> sentence structure is important especially when planning revenge am i right no really anyway enough about grammar hello and welcome to another episode of the forever fangirls podcast where age is nothing but a number in life and in fandoms i am sheila amato and you can find me and my wife on our website at foreverfangirls.com and I am Kimberly Amato, and you can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Forever Fan Pod. Same handle, three socials. We are your hosts, and we're glad you can join us. And uh, on today's episode, we're going to be reviewing the latest release in the teen movie genre type stuff from Netflix called, or titled, Do Revenge. And like, for real, spoilers are ahead. Did you like that? Really? No? Stop making fetch happen. <laughs> anyway, so if you have not seen the movie, please pause us, stream it, and then come back and listen to our discussion. So, we're now back from Acon Canada. What fun that was. Yeah, it was really awesome to see everybody again and actually, you know, be in person. <laughs> 3D. Right? Imagine that. People were in 3D. Oh, my God. Uh, and uh, Akon actually has released official con photos as well as a couple of panels, including ours. So if you weren't at the con or if you were there but missed the panel, we'll link the intro video that Cam did, which I still get chills every time I watch it. Um, we'll link that video as well as the full recording of Happy Endings Are Possible with Emily Andrus. But for now, though, let us get to our interview of do revenge our interview our, our review, review. sounded like said interview i'm like I, who are we interviewing no review i said review sounded like interview well i meant review <laughs> all right look i'm just gonna say it i sound horrible and my head is like cloudy <laughs> with like anti-allergy medication it's all good so i apologize that my voice is off but i'm recovering and it's allergy season it's all good i love you i love you too all right i'm stopping the banter music all right, so in my horrible voice, <clears throat> here is a short summary, and if I, I apologize if my voice cracks, oh wow, uh, from Netflix. After a clandestine run-in, Drea, alpha fallen it girl played by Camila Mendes, and Eleanor. Why don't you do yourself a favor and just yeah? read it normally? Because I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. You, you, you Save your voice. <laughs> I can't do that, though. Yes, you can. Try. No. Yes, try. <laughs> After a clandestine run-in. See, it's even worse. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> After a clandestine run-in, Drea and Eleanor team up to go after each other's tormentors. Do Revenge is a subverted Hitchcockian dark comedy following the scariest protagonists of all, teenage girls. Wow. <laughs> oh, no. I'm going to sip some water now. Yes. Why don't you do that? While I um, I fill in a little bit more of the blanks. So, Drea becomes a fallen angel, if you will, uh, when a sex tape of her went viral. She suspects that it was her boyfriend, Max, who did it. And in a fit of anger, Drea sucker punched him and got herself ostracized from her popular circle of friends. As part of her probation, Drea is sent to work at a tennis camp where she meets Eleanor, an outsider who will also be transferring to the same private high school as Drea for their senior year. 
Like Drea, Eleanor had someone torment her when she came out 13 named Carissa. Carissa happens to also attend the same high school. The plot thickens. They travel in different circles at the high school and hatch a plan to frame each other's tormentors a la strangers on a train. Can I just say something funny? Sure. The first thing I thought of when she punched him. I really wanted that sound effect in there. Okay. Sorry. Apropos. That's, that's all Just good. me. Speaking of good, let's talk about the good. So, you know, the acting was good. You know, they did excellent job with what they had. Yeah. And uh, specifically for me, like, uh, I'm a big fan of Maya Hawks. And that's because of Stranger Things. In Stranger Things, she plays a gay character. And she also plays a gay character here. And, you know, the the awkwardness, the... Um, wanting to just be yourself, but then having other people just torment you because of who you are is just, it, it just resonates with me. So I, I liked the way she delivered that character very much. Yeah, I like her quirkiness and the oddness that she, she brings to it. There's a, and obviously, spoiler alert has already been given, but mm-hmm. there's the, the, the switch from her character where she goes from being the victim to being the villain Mm. and in her physicality, there's an interesting twist that she does where she carries herself differently, a little bit taller, her eyes kind of change almost. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very interesting to see how she does that. And yet when she's with the character Gabby, right, which is her love interest in this film, it's like you're, you're seeing the, the vulnerability in there because she does like Gabby. Mm -hmm. So it's like, um, it's, it's that, in between, where she's not a villain, she's not a victim, she's just herself. Yeah, I mean, if we're, we're going to bring in Max's sister, Gabby, she felt like the moral compass, if you will, of the entire film. Mm. I mean, she's she's obviously not in it for very long, mm-hmm. but she knows who she is. She explains that, you know, you see me as X, Y, and Z, but it's my armor, and it really kind of protects you that I put on this facade, and I get it, you do the same thing. And it's an excellent analogy to really what we do as as teenagers growing up and even as adults, you have this tendency to put on like everything that makes you look right or you fit into a personality and a persona that you display at work or at school or whatever. Mm-hmm. And when you're home, your vulnerabilities and who you really are comes out. And it's an interesting line because later on she says, well, I guess we know the truth. It's not your armor. It is who you are. Yeah. And that's a triggering line that kind of snaps Eleanor into the wait a minute. Right. Because she really isn't, I guess she got just carried away with the role that she was supposedly playing, right? The, the, the role within the role, if you will. Yeah, but it's, it's an interesting also because if you look at uh, Drea, uh, Camila Mendez does the same thing. Very nuanced performance, mm-hmm. but they both kind of have that moment where are they, like even she says, you know, I, I'm not really like that. You know, I, I keep telling myself I'm not like that, but I am and I hate it. And this is not who I'm, I'm supposed to be. This is not who I want to be. There's this, this an interesting twist of the, they realize their armor had become more of their skin, so to speak. Yeah. It had become more of who they are and they didn't like it and they wanted to switch it. So I, I liked the Gabby character being that moral compass and being that, um, I guess that, that hint of, hey, by the way, you're going too far this way. You need to mm-hmm. go back to who you truly are. Yeah. It, it kind of reminds me, as you were talking about the scene with Tara towards the end of the film, where Tara was saying, you know, you're lucky to uh, Drea that she basically got out, right? It, it felt like all of them, at least in the popular group, which was foreshadowed by Gabby, you know, you know they're 
as mean as they're beautiful or something like that. But they're just, it's like because they're in that group, they have to be a certain way to stay in the group. And it's not what any of them want, although they like the amenities that come with it. Well, but again, it all comes back to choices, Mm. you know, and let's be honest, if the entire group decided we don't want to do this anymore, They they wouldn't do it anymore. You know, it's the fear, it's the peer pressure, it's all of that, but it's also choices. Mm. This whole film is about choices. Yeah, and sometimes it's hard to make the right choice when the pressure is very strong and you don't have, you know, a strong foundation to keep you going in the right direction. Well, even in, in, let's be honest, you're a teenager, even if you had a great foundation, the pressure can get to you and, and you make different choices based on peer pressure specifically is horrible. Mm -hmm. So then another surprising uh, casting thing here that, yeah, I, I was like, Oh yay. That's actually kind of awesome. Is Sarah Michelle Geller. Yes. (laughs) as the headmaster of the private school. Buffy goes back to high school in Miami. I really wanted her to stake the villains (laughs) would have made a much more entertaining movie. Uh, Doing her like, um, what is that? Roundhouse kick. Right? Hiya! No, but it was it was really great to see her in in a film. I I was not expecting her in this in this film at all. I had seen hints about it, but I didn't know if it was true because mm. you know, like some people say, "Oh, so and so is in this," and then you watch it and you're like, "Where are they?" And you find out their scene had been cut or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I I was like, okay. And then seeing her, it's just great to see Sarah Michelle Gellar. I, I enjoy watching her in anything. Yeah. I still need to finish Buffy, but yes, we're working on there. it. We're working on it. I, I own there. it. So it's not <laughs> like it's going anywhere. Anyway, um, speaking of moments here, there were there were a lot of references to past films. Mm-hmm. And certain scenes reminded me of Clueless. That was the film for me anyway, back in the 90s. I loved Clueless. And, you know, there was a specific scene where they started playing Kids in America, and I just automatically thought about Clueless. I don't remember the scene in this movie, but I was just taken back to Clueless. Not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but... See, it's funny because you think of Clueless, and for me, Clueless was okay. Mm. But for me, I loved 10 Things I Hate About You. That was my film. Oh, I've never seen it. Oh, I need to... Wow. Okay. (laughs) I'll work on it, everybody. I will. But when they go into the warehouse and there's the big boards of paint and mm. they pick up the water balloon full of paint, basically, mm-hmm. or the balloon full of paint, a water balloon, water balloon means it's filled with water. Kimberly. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> paint balloons. I'm just going to keep going. It's all good. So the first thing I said to you is, oh, it's 10 things I hate about you in the paintball scene. Yeah. And, I'm and like, now they're going to start kissing after they cover each other with paint. And I'm like, wait, what? And then, oh, wait. Okay. You know, even in that scene, I know they're trying to do an homage, but I was watching it and I'm like, 10 things I hate about you did it better. <laughs> because there was build up to it mm. and there was stuff after it. So okay. it kind of felt like it fit a little more. Okay. This felt a little um, shoehorned. Okay. For me, they, you know, you're talking about Russ. He, he seemed like the other good guys in the film, right? You were mentioning yeah. that Gabby was the moral compass. I think that he was um, as well because he chastises Drea towards the end of the film when Drea finally comes clean. Well, technically, because Eleanor outed her, right? The truth came out mm-hmm, as it always does, and she was then, you know, saying, "Well, Max deserved being outed," and he's telling her, "Well, you of all people should know 
how it feels to have your privacy just violated that way because it wasn't just Max, it was all the other girls. You know, and then he asked, you do not think about anybody else except yourself? So, you know, it's he was he was the counter to all of the the things that Drea was doing, right? Yeah, I, I agree with that. But that also leads me to a, a bad that I, I'm going to put a pin in that. Yes, because we're still talking about the good. Yes, I know. <laughs> I said I know. Um, okay, so let's let's talk about the funny one-liners here in the film. Okay. Um, Glenergy. <laughs> I liked that one. Glenergy. I was actually rolling on the floor when they said that because, you know, fatal attraction. Yeah. Now I'm going to like refer to revenge as... Are you getting your Glenergy on? I know. I was actually thinking about that. I'm like, oh. I feel your Glenergy just taking over the room. Mm. And you know, in our in our intro video, we were we um, actually highlighted. You know, is do revenge even correct grammar? Oh gosh, like, I like I love that. I'm just such a grammar freak. I'm like, no, it's not correct grammar. There's a reason I hire editors. <laughs> <laughs> and the one line that Eleanor actually says in the car, where she says, "Everyone is." gay i was just like yes this is so great (laughs) you're funny (laughs) you started laughing on that one and just like leaning over and i'm like all right it's funny but okay (laughs) no i uh it it just it resonated with me it was just great no it's a funny line i did like that they had a a good amount of one-liners in here that that kind of in some cases came out of nowhere and you're like huh and it brought a levity to Mm -hmm. a darker situation yeah but i do have to give a shout out to sophie uh, sophie sophie turner so over the top with the cocaine being framed and mm. it was, I loved it. It just looked like she had a blast playing the character. And, and from what I understand, she said in interviews that she absolutely like had so much fun. Yeah. She didn't have a lot of scenes in the, no. in the movie, but, but it just stands out because she's so evil. <laughs> she's so, her glenergy is strong. <laughs> I mean, she's painting, you know, Drea yeah. with flames all around her. And I'm like, Oh, that's such strong glenergy. Yeah, well, you know, Drea to her was the devil incarnate. So well, technically, Drea did get mm-hmm. her to where. Yeah, okay. Yeah, putting a pin in all that. All right. So, any more good that we should discuss? No, I think we're good. All right, on with the bad then. <laughs> is this your rant? The legalities. Okay, this is your rant. Are absolutely overlooked and completely obliterated in the grand scheme of things. I mean, look, I know it's a film and I know that they reference other films, Mm -hmm. but in those other films, they were so outlandish that it didn't feel, and I guess maybe the satire was in play and everything else where it felt like it was more comedy, like a dark comedy than it really was to be taken seriously. But it was all too real. This was all too real, not the other films. That's what I meant that this, in this film, things felt too real. I mean, if we're if we're getting just to the nitty gritty of things, when people come clean with what they've done in this film, nothing happens to them. Mm-hmm. Nothing. I mean, okay, fine. Drea lost Yale because of what Eleanor did. But what else happened to her? She drugged an entire class. She admitted it. Yeah. She came clean in order to make Russ happy. She committed a crime. Yeah. In reality, and, and again, I know it's a movie, but if we're if we're portraying a film that is supposed to show the angst and coming out and everything else, we also have to show the ramifications of actions in order to facilitate a great, well-rounded story. And this wasn't it. Yeah. I think the biggest thing that bothered me 
um, and it, you know, it bothered us really, was the fact that Max did leak that sex tape, right? Or that mm-hmm. sex video. And in real life, there are actually teenagers, most recently boys, who have been targeted by these sextortions where, you know, they unwittingly send vi- nude videos of themselves. Mm-hmm. And it turns out to be a predator and, you know, they're committing suicide because they've got this uh, video of themselves and this predator is going to threaten to release it to their loved ones and their community if they don't pay up. They're teenagers. Where in the heck are they going to get the money to pay that? But then all of that shame and that guilt. Yes, Drea, we saw that in the film, right? The How it affected her. But there's... I don't know. The The suspension of disbelief is not, I I don't know how to explain this, but it, it just doesn't align. Because when yeah. something like that happens, it is very devastating. It doesn't, it aligns to an extent. Like you said, we see her emotion, we see her loss. But I think what's lost here is that at the time that she does this, it's between junior and senior year. That's my understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she's a minor, as is he. As is he. But it's still child pornography. But because he then sent it to everyone, he is disseminating child pornography. Not to mention, Erica, the Sophie Turner's character, says, somebody asked her, where did you get the video? And she goes, don't worry about it. That leads me to believe and implies that it's being shared regularly. This is the internet, people. Yeah. This doesn't go away. That video is now going to be on child pornography sites everywhere. Drea is never, ever, ever getting away from that video. It will continue to destroy her life. Right. So if anything, when he admitted he did that and they caught it on video, he should have been arrested and sued for horrible, horrible... I mean, this is basically nothing happens to him. And I know everybody's going to say he's got a lot of money. He happens to be a white male. And yes, the justice system is extraordinarily flawed. But let's be realistic here. They have a video confession. It was not coerced. And the fact is, if they wanted to trace it, they could find it comes from his IP address. Yeah. It's not, you know, stipulated that he's so smart that he could get away with all of this stuff. And he's not in jail. I mean, just to go through like a slight little things, Carissa grows the drugs, but Drea drug the class, no consequences. Eleanor hits Drea with her car. Yeah. No consequences. Leaking of a sex tape, no consequences. Leaking of private text messages that basically, again, released all of these images of other women in what is assumed to be images of a sexual nature. And they've been now released to the whole class. You know, implied libelous articles from the thorn because they want to give somebody else's side and it's twisted to frame their specific narrative. Yeah. Planting cocaine on someone. This isn't a joke. You know, again, they're comparing it and giving it homage to all of these other movies, but all of those other movies felt so far out of the realm of reality that it, it just, it doesn't feel real. When you, when you bring it into the realm of what could be, and I understand they wanted to do that to make it feel more like, hey, this could really happen to you. You have to earn the ending. Yeah. And they don't. Who are we supposed to look at and say they don't get a consequence? Yeah, the 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 film itself the, did lose its satire. And I think that's why it was just so uh, painful. It's like they break the law left and right with an utter disregard for anything. Yeah. And, and no there's cost. no responsibility or, or any ramifications of any of their actions. And knowing that 
This is made for Gen Z. I know we're not the target audience, so I'm trying to take a step back. But if this is what we're telling them, that basically you can do whatever you want and you will never be held accountable, what kind of statement is that? I'll have to find the article now that you're saying that, um, that the director is saying, you know, it, it is a satire and the director hopes that they'll get fun out of it. But please don't don't copy or don't do what they're doing in the film. And I'm like, that's like watching Jack when they turn around and they say, please don't try this at home. It doesn't absolve you. I mean, mm. technically it does legally, but somebody's going to do it. You are still indirectly responsible for somebody thinking of doing that because they wouldn't have thought of it until you did it. Oh, like eating Tide Pods or something like that? Well, I mean, those are TikTok challenges that are just stupid. But I mean, if we're thinking about this rationally, if you're putting something out there, yes, it's a satire. Again, go to Mean Girls. There still feels like the endings and there's every single film that they reference, right? It, it still feels like the ending is earned and the bad people or the quote unquote villains get their just desserts, right? Mm -hmm. In this film, it doesn't feel like anybody actually is punished for anything. Yeah. And the fact that Max only gets um, that therapy session or whatever it was. Which looks like it's in like a church basement. So it's not like a high end thing or Well, whatnot. I mean, but it's still, you know, a, a real thing compared mm -hmm. to the club that he started about cis men yeah. supporting women, right? Which but even then crap. he turns around and goes, I love you guys. And you know, he's playing it. He's not going to change. Yeah. So nothing has changed for him because he's not. And again, it just perpetuates that. And maybe that was what they were trying to say, that if you don't get actual punishment for the things you've done, you won't change if you don't ever have to pay mm -hmm. for your actions but in the same token I'm, I'm watching it going but you know drea hasn't i mean drea literally literally is implied that she plants cocaine on someone who then because of that loses their scholarship to stanford becomes a cocaine addict and then has to go to rehab mm -hmm. right that, there that's a that's a life destroyed yeah for what so I'm supposed to look at drea and be like oh okay you say it's a satire but at what point do you shift from satire to just cringy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think the worst out of even take out all the crime to then take Max's sexcapades and cover it up by saying they're in a poly relationship to try to spin it. Yeah. And the fact that all of the people in the clique perpetuate that knowing full well that it wasn't true. It's not palatable for me. No, I really got disturbed by that because you know what? We know people in poly relationships. Yeah, and they're, you know, they're, they're consenting adults, and it is a fine relationship yeah, for it's them. Not, it's, it's not played for laughs. It's not played for satire. It's not played for spin. And for me, if you're going to do something like this and you're going to use this, make it authentic. Don't just throw it out there to try to... And, and again, I don't know if they're trying to make fun of woke, if they're trying to make fun of extremes on, the, you know, on, on either side. I don't care, mm -hmm. frankly. I got to a point where... I literally looked at you and said, I don't know if I want to review this. It got so cringeworthy in using terms where there are real life people on the other end of those things. And you're just tossing it around and you're trying to make a statement about how people use things to their advantage when it works to their advantage. Right. Again, switching their narrative. I get that. But did it have to be presented in such a negative way? Well, it's you know perpetuating the trope, right? It's just like the trope of bisexuals are not trustworthy. I know. It, it annoys the crap out of me whenever those storylines come out. But it just cheapened the whole thing. I, I, If not for the cast, 
and the one-liners in Sarah Michelle Gellar specifically, I would have turned it off. Mm. Well, I don't think that we have any more bad. So no. maybe we we jump into the cute so that we can uh, we can end on a high note here. Yes, yes, please. <laughs> um, so the relationship between Eleanor and Gabby is absolutely adorable. You know, mm, yes, it's, it's that whole for me anyway. Just seeing them. You know, the blossoming of, oh, okay, I'm attracted to you and let's see where we're going with this. And and it also shows that awkwardness between, like, when I first met you, for example, I know I wasn't in my teens, but I didn't know if you were Mm. or weren't queer. So you have this weird, awkward, like, gay panic dance, I call it, (laughs) because it's like, are you, aren't you, are you, aren't you? And you're kind of trying to figure it out, but you don't want to, like, you don't want the other person to think anything negative about you and they bring that across so innocently and so mm-hmm. adorably that it reminded me of you and I when we first met the are you aren't you gay panic dance <laughs> and I loved that I absolutely did because it's very authentic yes it, it was very authentic what I loved in um, the scene where they were walking the boardwalk mm-hmm. right and Gabby was basically saying thank you for hanging out because you know your your social calendar is just so full um <laughs> She said something to the effect that I like the old Eleanor. I I won't mind seeing her again, the one that I met at the first day of school. Eleanor started saying, well, I'm sorry, the old Eleanor can't come to the phone right now. And then Gabby's like, why? And then Eleanor says, because she's dead. Oh, look what you made me do. (laughs) Look what you made me do. Look what you just made me do. Look what you just made me do. We don't want to get sued. Um, but yeah, th- that whole homage to Taylor Swift was just so cute. It was, yeah. And I mean, again, I loved the character of Gabby. Mm-hmm. She felt more, I guess where some felt one-dimensional, she felt more rounded. Russ felt a little more rounded, mm-hmm. whereas the others kind of felt like, again, one-dimensional. So maybe that's why we, we connected with them. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. They're the, they're the two shining stars. The moral compasses. Yes. The North the Stars. Dark. A dark and evil Glenergy. <laughs> I really, I oh really love Glenergy. Yeah. Are you, we're, How we're, are you feeling today? I'm full of Glenergy. If you say that to me, I'm going to run for the hills. If I say that to you, something's wrong with me. <laughs> anyway, so any other cute? No, I really, I really just think Gabby and and Eleanor and 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 Russ, even Russ and Dre's interactions were adorable, and they were very innocent. So, oh yeah, like you the know, motorcycle scene. Yeah, or like get let's get out of here. Yeah, I mean even the paint scene, and like I said, I know it was a little like ugh, really, but it's cute. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, a cute dynamic between budding romances and and just trying to that awkwardness of trying to figure somebody out and learn who they are and see if you even click. Mm-hmm. And it's cute. Yeah. So that is our discussion of do revenge. But before we get to our rating, here is a promo from one of our podcasting friends. AJ Chat is a podcast about movies, TV shows, anything in the entertainment field. And along the way, we have some fantastic interviews. And of course, always, always a must, must have fun. So check out AJ Chat. And now for our Forever Fangirls rating of Do Revenge. Drum roll, please. We rate Do Revenge 2.0 stars. 2.0? You had to specify the O? Yes. 2.0 stars. 2.0. 
And we maybe agree. do revenge 3.0 will be better. Oh my goodness. <laughs> anyway, you say it. Anyway, it's a fun, campy movie if you don't take it too seriously. I mean, listen, y'all, it's got a lot of problems. <laughs> and I'm not going to lie here. The acting is great. It's fun references to movies we love, fun one-liners, cute scenes. But the fact that the legal issues are just skimmed over, damage defaming people, sharing videos of that nature, it just, it got overwhelming and I could no longer ignore it because of, it just kept getting worse and worse and worse as the movie went on. So I think the resolution of the issues between characters just didn't, it didn't feel earned, if that makes sense. It does. And for me, it's, it's hard to figure out who to root for here. And we've alluded to it in, in our discussion. Um, I was more drawn to the supporting characters of Gabby and Russ, right? And granted, like Kimberly said, we are not the target demographic audience for this film. And maybe that's why it was so difficult for me to get through it. It was just hard to find redeeming features for any of the lead characters. And I'm just going to end it at that. Would you rewatch it? No. Would you recommend it? I, I can't. See, I'm in the same boat. And normally I'd be like, oh, you know what? Maybe if I rewatch it, I'll see something. Because sometimes when we talk about films, I might say, you know what? Maybe a rewatch will change it. I don't think it'll change my opinion on this this time. No, it's and it's because of all the, the different things that we were talking about. It's just too close to reality yeah. to make it believable as a satire. Yeah, that's going to be our show for today, folks. Uh, thank you again for joining us, for putting up with my voice. I Hopefully we'll be better next time. Um, were there any key points that we should have discussed? You can let us know by leaving us a voicemail at speakpipe.com forever fangirl forward slash forever fangirls podcast. If you're listening to this podcast on your smartphone, please uh, hit the subscribe button. If you have a moment, just hit like or leave us a review. We greatly appreciate it. And until next time, stay safe, be kind. And remember, Austin O'Malley once said that revenge is often like biting a dog because the dog bit you. It may feel good at the moment, but it will leave you feeling empty and maybe with a mouthful of dog hair. Yuck. So instead, do a primal scream, let it go, let it go, and move forward because, as old Blue Eyes said, the best revenge is massive success. <laughs> <laughs>